when you look at the word Proverbs, the Latin root of this starts out, or the prefix is, or actually the word proverbium combines the prefix pro and verbium, which together mean a word that you put forward or a common saying. We all have our own definitions of Proverbs. Um, the Hebrew word mashal, by word saying, maxim moral of, uh, of the story, the purpose is to warn against dangerous conduct while engaging or encouraging behavior that promotes personal and social well-being. That came from the International uh, Bible Encyclopedia. When, when we think of Proverbs, who do we think of immediately? Solomon. And we immediately think of his wisdom. Well, when we look at it, there's actually four sets of writers that are listed in, in Proverbs. Now, some have argued that maybe Lemuel and Agar is really Solomon, but they still have names in these particular places. If you turn to 1 Kings uh, chapter 3, 1 Kings chapter 3, and you look at verse 5, it says, At Gibeon the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream by night, and God said, Ask what shall I give you? And I'm reading out of the New King James. What did Solomon ask for? Discernment. Discernment. Wisdom. When, when you come over uh, a little bit farther in the chapter, it, it says, Therefore give to your servant, this is verse 9, an understanding heart to judge your people that I may discern between good and evil for who is able to judge this great people of yours and the, and the speech pleased the Lord when you go a little bit farther and you look at First uh, Kings 4 and verse 32 for some reason I've skipped over this verse many times but it says talking about Solomon with his prosperity and his wisdom and his reign, that in verse 32 it says he spoke 3,000 proverbs and his songs were 1,005. So there's not 3,000 proverbs in the book of Proverbs. Well, I guess you could break them down. But you can tell that he had a, a lot to say about wisdom, but he asked for that endowment, didn't he? He asked to have that as part of his life. So we get to study these different uh, parts with him being the writer. When you look at Proverbs, you see a lot of different words. You see, of course, we see the word wisdom. Um, when we think of wisdom, I wrote up here, skill to apply knowledge. Does anybody else have any ideas what, what you would say with wisdom? What were you saying, John? There's a, a little more to it with, with Proverbs. What this wisdom is, is actually seeing things God's way. It's a little different, isn't it, than just everyday wisdom out here that we 
uh, see people at work that have a lot of wisdom because they've been at work a long time. But this wisdom is God-centered, isn't it? It's centered on the fact that when we are, are here to worship, who is our focus? God. It, when we s- know that this is our focus, His way is the way, isn't it? So that's something that's a little bit different on the focus with wisdom. When you look at instruction, not only is it actually uh, learning or teaching, but it's also the fact that it's correcting. And in this, you know through the Bible that when it says it was given for their instruction or for their instruction in learning, that there's some correction involved. So another word that's used, knowledge, which we know is having that information and using it properly. Understanding, uh, we, we understand understand pretty well, don't we? We know that it's a comprehension uh, aspect of saying, I understand what's being told to me, I'm going to put it in practice. Discretion is a little bit different. What is discretion besides clear thinking? Any other ideas? Application of it. Application of it. Involves a choice. Choice. Doesn't it involve good judgment too? So there's this part that says, as we're studying this, this discretion is not only clear thinking, proper judgment, proper way of handling the matters. Prudence is another word. We, it's the ability to make, I put up here, shrewd judgments. Any other people have anything else? One of the things that I've heard people talk about with prudence, they actually use the word careful management. You know, care and management of how we do it and making sure it's right. And then the last word that I put up here was fool, which we're going to go over tonight. So we don't even need a definition. I'll give you the definition. When you think about the theme of Proverbs, Uh, Most all people that I've ever talked to feel like Proverbs 1-7 is the theme of Proverbs, which is the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. What do we call the fear of the Lord? Is it that we come to church and we sit up here and do this, you know, get all scared? Reverence and respect. Anything else? Obedience. Anything else? Uh, Interesting part of this, Bob Harkwriter put it to definition. He said, to fear the Lord does not mean simply to dread the threat of punishment, which we would, The fear of the Lord involves reverent submission to God's will, humble respect for God that lovingly and willingly submits to His counsel is the beginning, the first and the controlling principle of knowledge. So exactly what everybody said, that there is a reverence involved, that we understand what our goal is and we understand who's in charge, don't we? And we take this reverence as fear of the Lord. 
Any comments on that so far? If you go back to uh, Proverbs chapter 1, Proverbs chapter 1, and you uh, look at the first five verses in Proverbs chapter 1, it's really interesting the way that it's been laid out. In the first five verses, it says, the Proverbs of Solomon, the son of David, king of Israel, that's verse 1, to know wisdom and instruction, to perceive the words of understanding, to receive the instruction of wisdom, justice, judgment, and equity. Verse 4, to give prudence to the simple, to the young man knowledge and discernment. A wise man will hear and increase learning, and a man of understanding will attain wise counsel. Uh, again, I'm reading out of the New King James. So there's this, uh, this reception that is listed in here, instruction of wisdom, which everybody knows, which talks about that wise behavior. There's justice that we understand from right and wrong, the understanding for us of righteousness versus unrighteousness. And then we have judgment, which is part of this reception, which means making the right decisions, going the right direction. And then equity. I thought that was neat that Solomon put that in there. And what is it really? It's dealing fairly. In other words, having that internal part of us in life to deal fairly with our brothers and sisters. When you look a little farther, what does it say that Proverbs gives? In that, it says the simple, which we'll talk about that in a minute, gives them prudence, common sense, young men, knowledge and discretion. It's interesting that it covers everybody, that even those that know everything, that are wise in their own understanding, what are they going to get from this? They're going to get increased learning, aren't they? So even all of us that we, we've been members of the church since we can remember, what do we think? Well, we're supposed to be people of the Bible, and e- even if we're considered wise people, what is, what is Proverbs going to do? It's going to help us in that learning process, isn't it? It's going to help us be stronger. And then the men of understanding, wise counsel. Any, anything anybody wants to add to those? kind of quiet group. Maybe we needed coffee today. Let's look a little bit at the fool. When when you think of a fool, what do you really think of? I guess I shouldn't have even put that up there first. It gives you too much. Let's do this. <laughs> what do you really think of? You usually think of smarts, don't you? The person's not that smart. Or I'm talking about Book learning, right? Is that what is? Of course, you got to read part of it. It's not fair, is it? There's a little bit of difference here, isn't there? With a fool, as the Bible looks at it, and the way we think about it in a day-to-day uh, manner. The definition that I put up here uh, comes from Unger's Bible Dictionary. 
And it says the word is used in scriptures with respect to moral more than intellectual deficiencies. The fool is not so much one that's lacking in mental powers as one who misuses them. In scriptures, the fool is the person who casts off the fear of God and thinks and acts as if he could safely disregard the eternal principles of God's righteousness. That's a little different than our thoughts, wasn't it? As, as far as an individual that's not very smart, what is it really saying up there from a simple standpoint? Someone that refuses to use and seek that knowledge and use it when they find it. Exactly. And which knowledge? God's knowledge. The Word of God. And we'll talk about some of the different things that are involved with the fool. That here they cast off the fear of God, which we call the actual subject of, or the theme of this book. And here they just think and act like it's no big deal. We can do what we want to do. When we look at this person, have we thought of that as a fool before? It's, it's not an easy situation to deal with someone like that, is it? When you look at Wilson's Old Testament word studies, it says one who acts without counsel and whose will is too hard for his understanding. He hath no reason for what he doth, but because he has a mind to do it. What is that saying versus the first one? He runs his own show, doesn't he? He's not interested in what the Word of God says. He's more interested in how he feels and what he needs to do and how he needs to do it. It's an important thing that as we look at this, we think about this because we don't want to be classified like this, do we? And when we think about it, it's, it's not that easy to get around a person like this. When you um, think of this, I want you to think about a few things about the fool. First of all, in Proverbs 3 and 35, it says, The wise shall inherit glory, but the shame shall be what of the fool? You know, uh, <laughs> I kind of get tickled with the presidents, they always worry about what? Their legacy, don't they? They always wonder, what, is, what are people going to say about me? What, how are they going to classify what I've done? Or what's my legacy going to in, endure through all this? Well, it says, shame shall be the legacy of the fools. And the shame is very open, isn't it? It's something we can see very easily. When you think about that, let's look a little bit at the characteristics. Number one, he trusts in himself. What does that immediately tell you when somebody trusts in themselves compared to what we see in the Bible? Anything in particular? He ignores God. Ignores God. What else? If I say I can do it on my own, besides what David said, ignoring God, I've taken the place of God, haven't I? I've said that I don't need God 
that, that he's not important to me, that what I say is important. What were you saying, Bruce? It's kind of like the lawyers, okay, if you, if you want to represent yourself and lead your own, lead on your own understanding, you've got to fool for a <laughs> I won't repeat that in case anybody likes attorneys. <laughs> also the aspect too, the taking all the responsibilities and things that you, that in a lot of cases that there's no way you can carry them. You know, that's a huge issue, isn't it, on trusting yourself? Because when we look at this and we see the multitude of verses through the Bible, we don't see that man can do this. There has to be humility, doesn't there? Um, of course, most of y'all know the Beatitudes are my favorite. And it says, blessed are the poor in spirit. And what does that mean? It means I need God, doesn't it? It means that I can't do this by myself. And when a fool trusts himself, he takes it on and says, I'm God. And I can do it. If you turn to Proverbs 12 and verse 15, Proverbs 12 and verse 15, Mine is again in the King James. It says, The way of a fool is right in his own eyes. And listen to what the second part says. But he who heeds counsel is wise. What's the difference in those two things? Here's the fool. I'm not pointing to you guys. I'm just pointing to the fool. Goat, sheep. Uh... You've got the fool on one side that trusts in himself, but what happens with a wise person? It's not that they just listen to counsel. What are they? They're open to counsel. That's more important, isn't it? It's more important to understand I have to be receptive of counsel. And God knows a lot more than I do, doesn't He? When you look at 28:26, Proverbs 28 and 26, it says, I'll, I'll start with 25. In verse, I mean, in chapter 28, verse 25, he who is of a proud heart stirs up strife, but he who trusts in the Lord will be prospered. Verse 26, he who trusts in his own heart is a what? A fool. But whoever walks wisely will be delivered. You know, when, when, we, when we look at this, and we're going to talk later on in lessons, how important the heart is, that you've got to guard your heart. That's part of what I'll be talking about in one of the lessons. And when you guard your heart, what do you do? Do you just go on your own? Nope. Do you just make decisions that are not in the book? Is that what it's about? No. When you look at your heart, what comes out of the heart? (laughs) Everything, doesn't it? And if we're not careful and we don't have our heart right, goes back to my beatitude, blessed are the pure in heart, isn't it? The purity of the heart. 
When you look at the next one, and here we've talked about trusting, I put death to instructions. I know that um, I'm doing P&N camp this week and those grandkids are deaf to instruction. And so I know what that means because they're not listening to instruction. Now, Deborah's a teacher, they listen to her. When we're deaf to instruction, what have we done to ourselves besides trusting ourselves here is instructions. Here's what we need to do. Here's the Bible. Here's the New Testament. Here are things that teach us what we need to know. We have the Old Testament that brings us to the New Testament. What happens when we're, we don't take these instructions? We start... Do what? You know, it goes back to fear of the Lord. There's some consequences, aren't there? There's a difference between sin and righteousness, isn't there? And so we have to be open to the instruction, and Solomon was smart enough, and we'll, we'll talk about this, about children and things. In fact, we actually do a lesson on listening and hearing, which involves instruction the same way, that you've got to be able to hear it and listen to what's going on but when you're deaf to instruction, where can you go? You have no rules. You have no regulations, do you? You're open to do anything you want to do. If you turn to Proverbs 23 and verse 9, 23 and verse 9, it says, Do not speak in the hearing of a fool, for he will despise the wisdom of your what? Your words. In other words, You've come to try to help somebody. How many times have we prayed that something can be said that will help this person? Something will be said that a person might change their ways and not forget God's Word. And what have they done? Sometimes it's deaf ears, isn't it? Or they don't want to hear it. They don't want to hear the instruction. When you go to 24 and verse 7, just a little bit farther over, it says, Wisdom is too lofty for a fool. He does not open his mouth in the gate. When it's too lofty for him, what does it mean? It means that I kind of take it he's above it, doesn't it? He's saying to himself, I don't need this. I don't need what you're, what you're handing to me. I can take it on my own. And when we take that attitude, we don't want to be the fool. When they say it's a know-it-all, we've always been around people that are know-it-alls. When you turn to Proverbs 18 and verse 13, Proverbs 18 and verse 13, it says, He who answers a matter before he hears it it is folly and shame to him. What is a person doing when that happens? I guess I can go ahead and tell the story now before I do the listening part. 
Jason and I were trainers in Pennsylvania. We'd finished a launch meeting and we had a lot of time. And I had a boss that came to me that, that I really liked and she asked me to put together a listening workshop. I thought, that's pretty good. It's pretty neat. Get to get books and read about listening, which we'll do a lesson. I'll have to tell this on Deborah because I'll talk about listening now. But I came home and told Deborah I was excited. Deborah looked at me and said, you're going to do listening? <laughs> but that wasn't all. I said, yeah, yeah, it's exciting. She walked into the bedroom and kind of went around a corner. Then she came out. You know you're in trouble when the women have their arms like this. And she goes, are you really going to do listening? And I said, yes. So it's apparent that I need help with listening. I said, that's why I'm doing it. But here, this person is answering before the person even finishes the question, isn't he? What is that telling you? Not listening and not considering. That's exactly right. He, he already knows the answer. He knows the answer to everything. So with wisdom that we say that as we approach people and we want to convert them, we approach them with meekness and kindness, don't we? And when we do that, when they don't pay any attention, what do we do? We go, ooh, don't we? And that could be a fool, couldn't it? <laughs> and, and we've all run into that. I, it's all right, I don't need. You know, what's been involved is sin. I, I, don't, I don't need to really hear it. Well, you probably do need to hear it because we're concerned about your soul. But a fool isn't because they know it all. Anything you want to add to this? Yes, sir. I think when you look at all three of these that you have up here and you go back to what uh, Bruce had mentioned earlier about the consequences. Yeah, there, there's consequences for our actions of trusting in ourselves, being deaf to instruction, and thinking that we know it all. But that doesn't just stop with us. It overflows into everybody within our bubble, so to speak, and even beyond that because... The, especially the aspect of deaf to instruction, if we fail to heed the wisdom and guidance of somebody else, especially on, a, well, on most matters, it, it can be catastrophic to you know, the livelihoods of all those around us. And it can be a snowball effect and, and even affect, as we see throughout Scripture, affect generations with it. And that's how problems have started, hasn't it? It's, it's almost contagious, isn't it? The, the first question you've got to ask is, why did they even come to you if they're not going to listen to you, isn't it? Why did you bring me the question when you don't want to hear the answer, right? You know, the rich young ruler, what did he really want from, from Jesus? That's the basis of it, isn't it? But he started it the right way because he came and he kneeled in front of Jesus, didn't he? And he says, what do I have to do to do what? Inherit eternal life, right? So he came to the right person. He asked the right question, but he didn't get the answer that he wanted, did he? Because the answer wasn't what he was looking for, exactly what Nate was saying. 
And that's the same way with a fool. They know everything. They don't need it, do they? But guess what? Jesus gave him the answer that he needed. That's the difference, isn't it? He didn't go and patty cake and give him a lot of peanut butter, did he? He said, you got to do this. Because Jesus knew what he was thinking, didn't he? Any other comments on this so far? Well, I'm not through with the characteristics. You can't discipline them. When you go to uh, Proverbs 16 and verse 22, Proverbs 16 and verse 22, uh, a little bit different uh, approach here when I say you can't discipline. Um, In 16.22 it says, Understanding is a wellspring of life to him who has it, but the correction of fools is what? What did Jesus tell the apostles if they came into a city and the people didn't accept them? He said, buy a bigger roast. Is that what he said? Dust off your feet, what? Let's go to proper ground, right? Where we can do some good. And here with this discipline of, of this and this folly, the sad part of it is it comes back to what Nate's saying is if it's folly to them, who else are they convincing of some of these things? Which it could affect other people and like children and generations and generations. So they're not going to listen to what needs to be told to them biblically, are they? They're going to be thinking, I really don't need this. I really don't need you to tell me this. Well, if there's sin in your life, you, you, you need to understand and not take it because this is eternal, isn't it? You've heard me say that, that a lot of people don't take the countenance to say that what we do in this lifetime is going to affect what? Eternity, isn't it? And when it's over with, it's over with. We can't change it, can we? We don't have purgatory in the Church of Christ, do we? <laughs> or in the Bible, rather. Where you can get somebody to pray for you or light candles. When you look at impulsive in Proverbs 14 and verse 29, Proverbs 14 and verse 29, my my version actually uses the word impulsive here. It says in um, Proverbs 14, 29, it says, He who is slow to wrath has great understanding, but he who is impulsive... What do they do about folly? Its mind says it exalts folly. When you say exalting something, what does it mean? It means raise it up, does it? It means that that's important that this be, you know, this impulsive reaction. Here it comes back again to this foolish person or this fool that they're making decisions that are not God-oriented and they're doing it on the spur of the moment in a reactionary situation, aren't they? And when they do that, it's affecting a lot of people, isn't it? That 
when you make decisions and you make things like this, you influence other people, not only your family, but other friends, don't you? When you look at 17 and verse 24, Proverbs 17 and verse 24, it says, Wisdom is in the sight of him who has understanding. I I like the way Solomon kind of makes us feel a little better by saying, well, the good people with wisdom, this is what happens in, in 24, wisdom in the sight of him who has understanding, but the eyes of the fool, where are they? They're off somewhere else, aren't they? They're not listening to what you're saying. They're not trying to understand what the problem is. They're thinking of something way down the line, aren't they? At the ends of the earth. And when you think about that, and, and you think of the word impulsive, all of us have been impulsive, haven't we? We've all made decisions. I'm talking about in the secular world. But when we think biblically, we have to think about the authority of the Bible, don't we? We have to come back and say, it's not about feeling good, it's about obedience, as uh, Bruce said, it's about obedience to the Word, isn't it? Well, don't you think me doing this is pretty good? Well, that's not the way God looks at it. What would He rather have? You know, Saul didn't take care of his problems, did he? And the Lord wants obedience. The last one is, which is interesting, commits evil. When you go back to chapter 10 in Proverbs, I'd never really thought about this foolish person committing evil, but it makes sense that it's a culmination. And the way mine says in the New King James in, in chapter 10, excuse me, in verse 23, it says, to do evil is like sport to a fool, but a man of understanding has wisdom. So he wants to do evil, doesn't he? Because it's like playing golf, isn't it? <laughs> he, he wants to cause this evil and this, and this pretension that he knows everything, and who cares if you're in trouble? Go to 13 and verse 19. 13 and verse 19 says, a desire accomplished is sweet to the soul, but it is an abomination to the fools to depart from evil. In other words, what do they want to do based on this verse? They want to stay next to evil, don't they? That, I mean, that's part of their livelihood, isn't it? To, to stay right next to evil. Who in here wants to stay next to evil? I don't think anybody does, but a fool does. And when you think of that and think that evil is constantly on their mind and it's part of being this impulsive attitude, where are they going to lead other people? What are other people going to think about it? When you go to the last one, 14 and verse 9, it says, this is... This is really serious on this one. It says, fools mock at what? Sin. You know, when, when we mock sin, we've made a decision that we know better than God, don't we? We've kind of gone back to the other part. When we say that sin, that's not a big deal. 
This is small sin. What's the difference between small sin and a big sin? Nothing, is it? And here, this person mocks sin. And, and when you think about mocking something, this isn't just something that they're just casually doing, are they? They're, they're taking their force to stay by evil, and they're making fun of sin, aren't they? There's a lot of people in the world, brethren, that are doing this right now. And they're saying, it's okay to do what you want to do. It's okay to believe what you want to believe. It's okay to look at what book you want to believe in, what catechism or whatever. And, and when you think of that, it says, fools mock at sin in verse 9, but among the upright there is favor. Favor from who? The Lord, isn't it? What do you want to add to this? Yes, sir. Fool mocking at sin really is mocking God. In the 73rd Psalm, that's really what the evil man was doing. He was engaging in all these things. He says, how does God know? Of course, the psalmist there, he says, I went to the sanctuary and I perceived their end, which was destruction. Then Bruce, did you have your? Okay. I think just going back to these three, when you think about can't be disciplined, it's more along the idea that the individual... Um, isn't really moved by the consequences of their actions. And so therefore any type of, and, and the rod of correction doesn't phase them. And it's almost as an aspect of thinking about a child and they do, do something that the parents told them not to do and they get whipped for it and they're right back doing it again and over and over and you can't phase them. You can't, you can't feed it out of them. Can't get a bigger board. Yeah. <laughs> and, and the impulsiveness is you know, making decisions based off of emotion. I think too, and then the aspect of commits evil is based because they have no fear of God. It, it all comes back to the heart, doesn't it? <laughs> if your heart's not right, these things aren't going to bother you, is it? And and here's a factor that says, I know what I'm doing. I know it better than you. Even though you could have the wisdom of the elders, right? Wisdom of preacher. Wisdom of somebody you trust and you won't listen to it. Those are tough people to change, aren't they? And they will affect a lot of people that way. One thing, too, when you go, let's look at this real quick for ending the class and, and turn to Proverbs 26. And uh, I call this reinforcing the uh, qualities of a fool. I, I'm not sure that's a real wise way to put it. but And I also put some other verses down below there that refer to fool because we couldn't possibly go over them. And if you don't have to copy this down, if you want copies of the slides, I'll make sure they're available to everybody, so don't, don't worry about it. But if you turn to Proverbs 26 and start at verse 1, it says, as snow in summer and rain in harvest, so honor is not fitting for a fool. Here is an honor situation. Like a flitting sparrow, like a flying swallow, this is verse 2, so a curse without cause shall not alight. 
a whip for the horse, a bridle for the donkey, and a rod for the fool's back. Do not answer a fool according to his folly, lest you also be like him. And this is exactly what Nate just said a few minutes ago, that it not only affects other people, family, and goes on and on, but, but you end up being like him. Verse 5, answer a fool according to his folly, lest he be wise in his own eyes, which we talked about. He who sends a message by the hand of a fool cuts off his own feet and drinks violence. Like the legs of the lame that hang limp is a proverb in the mouth of fools. Like one who binds a stone and sling, he who gives honor to a fool is he who gives honor to a fool. Verse 9 says, Like a thorn that goes into the hand of a drunkard is a proverb in the mouth of fools. The great God who formed all things gives the fool his hire and the transgressor his wages. He doesn't realize that he will pay for this, won't he? As a dog returns to his own vomit, so a fool repeats his folly. Verse 12, Do you see a man wise in his own eyes? There is more hope for a fool than for him. The slothful man says there's a lion in the road, a fierce lion in the streets. And you can go on and on and on and, and look at this and think of here are the qualities of this fool that's doing these things. And it doesn't matter who it affects. It doesn't matter that it affects other people. But he makes his choice himself, doesn't he? And when he makes that choice, he makes the wrong choice. Anybody want to add anything else? Thank you for listening. Uh, next week, David's going to fill in for me on anger. And uh, after that, uh, we, we'll go to the fear of the Lord.